You are listening to HHS bonus content from the Hillbilly Horror Stories Network. This bonus content is released during the week for your listening pleasure while awaiting the release of Sunday's actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episode. All bonus content will be listed as HHS Presents or HHS Midweek while the actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episodes will have only an episode number and the title listed, for example, 187, The Kentucky Vampires. Those episodes are a longer deep dive into a particular subject. If you are new to the show and the bonuses aren't your style, get the full-length episode to try. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Paranormal Encounters, episode 20. We're just moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've got a story tonight from uh, our buddy Raymond up in uh, Washington State. Uh-huh. He's got a cool story, and you might have heard Raymond if you're a uh, patreon subscriber you probably heard him tell one of his stories earlier this month on the uh the first of may when we yeah. did our stories there all right story first story of the night it's called personal spirit guides many people believe that they have a spirit guide individuals who lead busy lives in which different activities are part of their daily routine often they have more than one guide in other words, they may have one guide who advises them when they plan business strategies, another guide when they're playing in an orchestra or an avocation, and possibly a third when they're doing creative writing. This sounds like a very unique person. Mm-hmm. Some people may think that spirit guides never make mistakes, but their personalities are not altered significantly, nor do they become suddenly wise or knowledgeable just because they no longer have physical bodies. Sometimes they cannot work compatibly with the individual assigned to them. I had one friend who was developing her psychic skills. She she was given a very strong and a very wise guide in the early weeks of her training. He not only was helping her in developing her psychic skills, but he was also assisting her with her children and smoothing out problems in life in order for her to have the time to concentrate and practice her psychic lessons. He was very considerate for her needs. After a few weeks, He was replaced by another guide, supposedly a master guide. Well, he was sent to someone else that was in their initial stages of developing their psychic skills. By this time, my friend was able to give psychic readings for people and do a pretty good job of it. Although the replacement guide was quite skilled and could give her answers to the questions she was asked by people who actually came to her, he had a little understanding of her personal feelings or needs. For example... Whenever she wanted her children to come home, the first guide would impress them and they would shortly appear. The second guide was not concerned about helping her with her family problems. He really did not understand why mortals got so upset over things like that and were totally unimportant to him. One day, she flew into a rage when he had not helped her as she expected. She swore swore at him and told him to get lost. She would not work with him any longer and she wanted him out of her life. It was quite a surprise to her when he backed off apologetically and said, I did not know human beings ever talked to spirits like that. The first spirit teacher then returned long enough to apologize to her for sending her helper who was not so sensitive to her personal needs. And she soon received another assistant. Dang. (laughs) (laughs) Back off. Rude much? Wow. I guess we know now that if we don't like what we get, we can demand another. That's right. That's That starts a very bad precedent, though. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. should be just grateful. You know what I'm saying? 
All right. Mine is called Encounter with a Spiritual Reader. I well recall my first encounter with a spiritual reader. While in my early 20s, I was told of a young man who was a spiritualist minister, and he lived in Santa Monica. I was directed to write out five questions and place them in my bra. He would answer them all. Rhyme. It was difficult for me to believe this, but I decided to test it. I wouldn't do it. I think it's a booby trap. (laughs) When I arrived at his home, I was ushered into a small, dimly lit room. He was only 17 years old, but had chosen to devote his life to to this type of work. As I watched his face, he closed his eyes and seemed to go into a short meditation. Then he began to speak. To my amazement, he told me my questions in the order in which I had written them and gave me all the answers. Then he added some other things, including a warning about the man I was to marry. He explained that there would be a money shortage at the bank and everyone would be questioned, including my fiancé. This, he said, would be very upsetting to my fiancé because of his integrity. When I returned home, I called my friend and gave him the warning. He dismissed it and asked me not to worry about it. He was quite certain nothing like that would happen. For the next few months, nothing happened, and he gently chided me for not for believing fortune tellers. Seven years later, however, the shortage happened just as the young minister had predicted. Later, as I worked with the people and helped them develop this talent, I learned that a vision may come in strong and clear because it's em- it is emotionally charged. And the event may appear to be imminent, but in the physical world, it may take place sometime in the future. But, you know, what are you supposed to do? I mean, that was like seven years later. <laughs> what, what do you know? I mean. It's a tad bit. Talk about surprise. Caught you off guard. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do? Would you heed that warning or or what? I mean, I might have in the beginning, but I, I'm pretty sure seven years later, you're not even thinking about it. Yeah. Huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pig Pug <Gail> me go. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> All right, let's listen to Raymond after a quick break from our sponsor. Hey, guys, we got Raymond from Washington on here, and he has told me so many stories over the last year and a half or so that I thought we had to have him on here to tell some. So, first of all, welcome to the show, Raymond. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Raymond, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you and let you tell both of your stories. Okay, sounds good. So, growing up, my family lived in a two-bedroom duplex. We lived in a labor camp, and this camp used to be called, actually, it's still called the Yellow Camp, this little town called Othello. It's an old railroad depot. That's how the town got started. And then as uh, irrigation came into the desert out there, it became a huge agricultural community. So there were these labor camps for agricultural workers to live in, and we lived in one of these houses when I was a kid. So the earliest stories that I've been told surrounding this home was when I was an infant. My grandmother would come over to visit, and it was just, let's see, my mom and her, and then my uncle and myself. I was the oldest grandchild of my grandparents, so first first baby. So she was visiting, 
she got done visiting, wrapped me up in a blanket, took me to the bedroom and set me on the bed, and she left. My mom started washing dishes, and my uncle stayed behind to give her company. He was about 13 years old at the time. And so she's washing dishes, talking to my uncle, and then he stops responding to her questions and stuff, and she turns around and to look to see what he was doing, and he's staring out the front door. It had a big piece of glass in it. He could look out, and uh, we, it, this housing was kind of like track housing, so these duplexes were set side by side, and this gravel road ran between two rows of houses and so you had a row of houses on the opposite side of the road facing us and so he's looking out this window and he's not answering her and she gets this weird feeling and drops the dishes and runs into the bedroom to check on me and turns on the light and I'm wrapped up bundled up tight in these blankets and she says she unwraps me and I'm purple not breathing she gets me to breathe and my color comes back she walks out in the living room and my uncle's standing at the door still but he's turned around you know kind of facing her expecting her to walk back into the room she asked him what you know what was going on what was he looking at? Why wasn't he responding to her? He said he could hear her talking to him, but he was fixated on this entity that was walking towards the house. And she says, well, what it looked like? And he's like, well, it had this black robe on and the hood. He says, I could hear you. I could hear everything going on, but I couldn't move. I couldn't couldn't answer. I was frozen. He said this this thing that he describes as the Grim Reaper, in my, in my opinion, reached out for the door. And as he opened the door, he heard the light switch in the bedroom turn on. That's when my mom had walked into the bedroom to, to find me on the bed. And the thing disappeared. And so that was like the earliest paranormal occurrence in the house that my mom remembers. So I was, you know, I was an infant, like I said, probably younger than six months old. On my first birthday, my baby brother was born. So he was born on my birthday a year later. His name was Glenn John. So we called him GJ. He was born on my birthday and my mom started working shortly after his birth. She started work at a restaurant as a cocktail waitress. And I had another uncle from Sunnyside. Sunnyside's a, another agricultural community in the Yakima Valley. He came over and stayed with us for a while, so he'd uh, babysit me and my little brother. So my brother was six months old and was on a Valentine's Day. My uncle's taking care of us, and my little brother passed away. They said it was SIDS. So my mom says he choked on milk, so there's not a real clear story surrounding my little brother's death. But after my little brother died, activity in the house really, really picked up. And some of these things I kind of I remember, but I'm you know, and I can't, I can't really place an accurate age as to how old I was. I know I was either three or four years old. I, you know, I don't remember anything before that. I kind of have a memory of falling up on the bed of my mom to take naps. She slept a lot, so I imagine she was going through some pretty deep depression. But the story she tells and has told after we got older, she explained to us what was going on at the time. She says she'd lay down for a nap, she'd wake up, and my little brother would be in her arms, you know, feeding my bottle. And I remember her you know, she'd be talking to what was, she thought was my little brother. There's nobody there. And so she's, she was seeing him quite a bit. Then a few months after um, he passed, Jehovah's Witnesses come to the door. They took the newspaper and went through the obituaries and they found our family's name in it. And so they come to the door, you know, giving my mom this promise of seeing her baby resurrected at some point in the future. So she thought that was pretty cool. So she starts this Bible study with these Jehovah's Witnesses, three or four years old, and all this is going on. But she's, she really is not taking a really, really big interest in the religion. I think she's just clinging to that little hope that they've given her that she could see her baby again at some point. Sure. And when this happened, the activity in the house really spiked for myself. I started, you know, I was aware that lights would turn off and on only at night. It didn't happen during the day. So, you know, I thought about this a lot growing up and talked to my mom about it. If it was an electrical problem, you know, this would be happening all hours of the day during the daytime, but it only happened at night. And usually when we were sitting watching TV or we were already in bed, the toilet would flush on its own, the shower would turn 
turn on off and on and my mom thought it was cool that we had these spirits in our house she didn't know what they were you know but she was accepting of whatever was there she welcomed it it didn't bother her or anything some of the things i remember as a kid is being or waking up in the middle of the night and just you know startled you know and seeing shadow people walking around in the room or i had a schwinn bike with the cold banana seat you know oh yeah <laughs> i remember uh, waking up one night and seeing this snake wrapping around this seat and it just sat there and it, it was it was wrapping and rolling and just slithering around my bike seat you know and i sat up in bed rubbed my eyes to be sure i was seeing what i was seeing and you know there's a little bit of light coming in from the hallway so it wasn't completely dark so it wasn't just me seeing something in the dark there was something visually that i was seeing wrapping around my seat so i yelled out for my dad and as soon as my dad hit the doorway it disappeared he hadn't touched the light or anything yet as soon as he was present in the room it disappeared so we had a my aunt came over and stayed with us for a while she was in high school and she came to othello to to go to high school in othello for a bit and so we shared my bedroom slept on the same bed you know she's probably a junior or senior at the time and she'd wake up in the morning and tell my mom there's something in this house which we already knew she'd say something's watching us at night it's so uncomfortable you know i really don't like it my mom would play it off my mom thought it was cool my mom was well she just didn't mind it <laughs> she, she, she wasn't trying to get rid of whatever was there you know she thought it was kind of neat so one morning we wake up and we found these footsteps on the floor next to the bed it was this round-heeled footprint with the three pointy toes there's a movie paranormal activity i think where they lay the flower out on the the hallway you know and they wake up in the morning they see the footprints Mm -hmm. it was exactly that type of footprint it was like when i first saw that movie i thought it's like holy smokes you know it's like that's what i remember seeing when i was a kid you know first time i've ever seen it portrayed in a movie somewhere i remember you know i told the story dozens of times to friends growing up and described this footprint and it's the first time i ever see it depicted in a movie it was exactly what we saw when, when i was a kid and so my aunt she moved out after that she was like she didn't want anything to do with it so she went back home back to sunnyside you know that's about all i remember in that house i mean this stuff was I mean, we had activity there daily on a daily basis. There was always something going on. When I was five years old, my mom, she, at that point, she'd gotten baptized as a Jehovah's Witness, celebrating birthdays and stuff. We bought our first house, and activity really slowed down. What was really weird is the more she became involved with that church, the more I would hear, like in my bedroom, I'd hear footsteps in the new house, footsteps in the bedroom, closet door would open and shut. I could hear breathing at night, and I would just keep the blankets over my head, just like, oh my gosh, this thing's tormenting me again. But I didn't want to see what was there, you know, it was just keep my eyes closed and try to ignore it but that was that was about it in the, in the new house growing up so whatever was bothering us in the old house i think belonged in the house i think it stayed there that's definitely what it sounds like raymond thanks so much for coming on brother we appreciate it yeah thanks for having me on jerry that story has so many incredible things in it and it's also incredibly tragic yeah it is very because when you think about his little brother passing mm-hmm. away and then you think about the fact that raymond himself was almost close to passing away and then just the thought that image of his cousin or whoever it was that could see the grim reaper coming and man (laughs) yeah it was um it was pretty intense yeah that's gripping yeah so well we're glad that we still have raymond with us oh my gosh of course all right guys thank you so much we'll see you next week bye